Mortal Remains of Mosquitoes, Apartment Hunting, 1857 and Today. This weekend was my New York anniversary. Eight years ago, I moved here, embarking upon professional and personal adventures. Needless to say, finding a roommate fell into that latter category. Making lemonade from lemons, these experiences inspired me to begin this blog chronicling the absurdly entertaining and strangely unique moments in time that are attributed to roommate life. However, as I reflected on the past several years, I wondered, has it always been so wacky to find a place to live in this city? Could searching for an apartment in, let's say, 1857 have been any simpler? What I discovered is that despite more than 150 years, the process has not changed that much. It's just that instead of roommates, most New Yorkers were seeking a substitute for a home, boarding houses, in the 1850s. As I read through the experience from the perspective of Thomas Butler Gunn, I found myself relating more so than I expected to his assessment of the physiology of New York boarding houses. You can explore the book for yourself by clicking this link. It's an entertaining read, but I recommend keeping a dictionary nearby to translate some of the words. It's not your average usage of the English language. Taking into account then and now, I compare how strikingly similar the past and the present of the process of searching for a place to live in New York City actually was and continues to be. Then features quotations from Gunn's book, now draws from the cumulative experiences of random New Yorkers like myself and their often exasperated and blunt reactions to roommate living. The Listing Then, the seeker for a boarding house, he either inserts in the Herald, Tribune, or Times an advertisement specifying his particular requirements or consults those addressed to humanity in general through the medium of their columns. In possession of vast amount of correspondence from the dainty penned and delicately enveloped billets of uptowndom to the ill-spelled, pencil-scrawled, uncovered notes of Greenwich and Hudson Streets. Now, oh hey Craigslist, let me post an ad of who and what I'm looking for in an apartment. How much do I reveal publicly to strangers? And when I start to look, if I hit refresh every minute, 100 more listings pop up. I'm overwhelmed just searching for Hell's Kitchen apartments, let alone if I open my search up to all of Manhattan. I'm looking in the for rent by owner section, but when I call, it's actually a broker who picks up? Seriously? That's not cool. And why does this guy keep posting in all caps? Doesn't he know that's not proper etiquette? Oh, Brooklyn. Then, the writer of a stray Williamsburg epistle is confident that an arrangement can be made if he will favor her with a visit. Now, if you walk around in a bathing suit in our Williamsburg apartment, you won't have to pay rent. The search. Then, he devotes a morning to the purposes of inspection and selection. He endures tedious waitings at thresholds. Now, you could spend all day running from open house to open house. Often, there is a line at the door 
waiting to check out the best sublet. The current tenants clearly have the upper hand, deciding whether or not to accept you. It is eerily reminiscent of rushing a sorority. The rent. Then, if money be no object, he will not have to seek far or fare badly. But the researches of him, whose aspirations are circumscribed by a shallow purse, will produce different results. Into sitting rooms where the Venetian blinds are kept scrupulously closed for the double purpose of excluding flies and preventing too close scrutiny of the upholstery. He will have interviews with landladies dubious and dingy, landladies severe and suspicious, inflexible as to references or payments in advance, landladies calm and confiding, landladies chatty and conciliatory. Now, sure, you could live in a doorman building with a roof deck and pool if the price didn't matter, but realistically, if you are on a budget, those perks are going to have to wait. And yeah, the couch in the apartment you consider living is likely a hand-me-down. Get used to that 70s floral motif. It might actually grow on you after six months. Even if your apartment is a walk-up, you'll likely have to pass a credit check, put down a security deposit, pay first and last month's rent. Oh, and sometimes the management company will insist you earn 40 times the rent or threaten you need a guarantor. Seriously? The decor. Then, how a three feet by 16 inch strip of threadbare carpet, a 12 and a half cents Chatham Square mirror, and a disjointed chair may, in the lively imagination of boarding house proprietresses, be considered furniture? He will notice the mortal remains of mosquitoes, not to mention more odoriferous and objectionable insects ornamenting ceilings and walls where they have encountered destiny in the shape of slippers of bootsies of former occupants. Now, yeah, that bed the last roommate sold you is actually soiled, but she forgot to mention that. Oh, and when you go in to clean your new room, those candy wrappers totally never made it into the garbage can and have stayed in the corner since Halloween. It's now April. And as for bug problems, yeah, no, we've never had that. A few minutes later, a cockroach crawls by. In conclusion, then... We have foreshadowed the extremes of our subject, the existence of establishments where moderate prices may procure a fair average amount of comfort and cleanliness. Such will find honorable mention in our physiology, but as in life, they are infrequent. A proportionately small space will be here accorded to them. Now, sometimes you get lucky and find an affordable, nice place with normal roommates, but you have to read through a lot to get there. And when you finally get an awesome room and a roommate in New York City, it often feels like winning the lottery, but then you still have to go to work. Images and quotations from Thomas Butler Gunn, The Physiology of New York Boarding Houses.